Well, good morning, church. All right, I'm ready to get into the word this morning. Um, I know that worship was amazing and needed and longer than normal. Um, but when, when God takes control, you don't s- remind him of your schedule. <laughs> so, so I'm on his time. He's not on mine. Um, but I'm going to try to shorten my message just a bit. Um, and keep it under an hour today. I do want to be careful because the topic I'm sharing, if I, if I just rush through it and race through it because I'm so anxious about time, I, this topic is easy to miscommunicate. So I'm going to shorten it a bit. I'm going to do the best that I can. But you can make my job easier by being vocal, meaning... Um, as I say something that resonates or something you understand or something you hadn't thought of, be be like, oh, awesome. Or even if you don't want to be vocal, shake your head. Do you know what I mean? Pop your mask. Whatever it is you want to do, just get my attention. Be engaged. Because as you're engaged, it helps me to move along. I'm like, okay, I don't need to break that down quite as much. I do want to say I'm super grateful to see Bibles Uh, popping up in the room. I know we use our phone. Um, I'm just old school in that I love, I love learning to get used to scripture in our hands. Um, There may be a day where we don't have technology available for scripture, and we're so used to the auto-generated, you know, daily devotion, that's our Jesus time, that we don't actually know how to read the Bible. And that was my purpose in the series, Binge Reading the Bible. And I hope you've enjoyed it as much as I have. And, and that's just looking at the, the, the groups and how they speak to the overarching theme of the Bible, which I told you was God with us. And today we're on our last one. Our last one, we've gone all the way to the book of Jude. And we have one book left. It is the book of Revelation. If you go to the very end of your Bible... It's the book of Revelation, and the group that I want to talk to you today about is apocalyptic literature, apocalyptic literature. Now, apocalyptic literature refers to uh, the books in the Bible concerning God's revelation of the ending of this current age and the final advent of his kingdom, the thousand-year reign, the eternal state where we are Uh, with God forever. The apocalyptic literature gives eyesight and view into that. Um, Revelation is mostly described through visions and prophecies. Uh, But thanks to Hollywood, when you hear the word apocalypse, immediately our mind is filled with imagery of danger, disaster, tidal waves, earthquakes, zombies, crisis, pain, suffering, right? You hear the word apocalypse. Your mind goes there and your emotions go to fear. Thanks to Hollywood. But that's not what apocalypse means. If you look in the Greek, it's apocalypsis, and it means revelation and unveiling. That's all apocalypse means. Understanding the mystery. But yet, you and I have been conditioned by the world to be fearful of apocalyptic literature. 
Are you, do you see what I see? Right? The, the term apocalypse refers to these writings because they contain revelations of the secret purposes of God. The end of the world and the establishment of God's kingdom on earth. Apocalyptic literature gives us understanding. It gives us insight. Right? No wonder the world wants to keep us afraid of it. Because when we understand, when when we get a revelation of the end, when the eyes of our heart are opened, there is no longer room for fear. So the apocalyptic literature, as I'm sure you've guessed, contains the book Revelation. Revelation. But if you're keeping a list, it's way more than Revelation. It's the last group that we're talking about, but... This literature in the Bible can be found in both the Old Testament and the New. It includes the book of Isaiah, Daniel, Amos, Joel, Zechariah, Thessalonians, Corinthians. Now, you may want to write this down if you're curious about end times. These are the books that speak heavily into what the end times looks like. So you, I've had people ask me, where do I find in the Bible? I, do, I don't know where to go that talks about the end times. These are the books. Revelations, Isaiah, Joel, Amos, Daniel, Zechariah, Thessalonians, and Corinthians. We can best understand God's revelation through these books by knowing that their main concern, the main concern of the apocalyptic literature is to unveil something that was previously unknown. Whether this involves Old Testament prophecies concerning the plight of Israel or New Testament revelation of Jesus Christ given to John, in both instances, it does call for some serious study, like sitting down and understanding, because these books have heavy doses of symbolism, metaphors, and you need to know the historical context. So it can be a bit overwhelming if you're a casual reader, right? If, if you don't understand that we're in this for the long haul, so to fully understand Revelations or all that Daniel is saying or Isaiah, I have to be okay with not ending my 20-minute Bible reading session with complete understanding because it's a process, okay? But it can't be no ignored. Did you know that 27%, almost a third of the Bible is prophetic? One third. So if we're not discussing prophecy, if we're not talking about the apocalyptic literature, we're missing out on a third of this book. That's a lot. I mean, what if you only got a third dress today? Today, my goal in, in the minutes that I have, I just really want to convince you that the apocalyptic literature is beneficial for you. Today, it's not my goal to tell you my interpretation of the end, to give you a timeline of the end, to tell you how it's all going to go down, though I do, I do have my own thoughts on that very solidly because I've studied it. 
but that's not my goal today. My goal is just to wet your whistle so that you're not afraid to turn to the book of Revelations. So you're not afraid to turn to the book of Daniel, Isaiah, Zechariah, Joel, Amos, and it all makes a bit of sense to you. In Daniel 2, so if you have your Bibles, go ahead and go to Daniel 2. In Daniel 2, King Nebuchadnezzar has just declared that all wise men must be killed since none of them could interpret the king's dream. So the death decree went out and they began to kill the wise men because none of the wise men knew the dream. And they got Daniel and his, his friends and they were about to kill him when, where our text picks up, okay? So I want to take you to chapter 2, verse 16. Again, King Nebuchadnezzar is killing all the wise men and they've now got Daniel and his three friends. And it says, so Daniel went in and asked the king to give him time. Needs a little bit more time that he might tell the king the interpretation. Then Daniel went to his house and made the decision known to Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, his companions, that they might seek mercies from the God of heaven concerning this secret, so that Daniel and his companions might perish, might not perish with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. Babylon. Verse 19, then the secret was revealed to Daniel in a night vision. So Daniel blessed the God of heaven. Daniel answered and said, Blessed be the name of God forever and ever, for wisdom and might are his. Now, let me catch you up to speed. In a night vision, Daniel gets the revelation of the dream. Getting the revelation of the dream was life and death. He and his friends were going to get killed if they didn't have the revelation. So this is kind of a big deal. He has a night vision. He gets the interpretation. And now this is Daniel kind of worshiping God, thanking God. In verse 20, Daniel answered the Lord and said, Blessed be the name of God forever and ever, for wisdom and might are his. And he changes the times and the seasons. He removes kings and raises up kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. Verse 22, he reveals deep and secret things. He knows what is in the darkness and light dwells with him. I thank you and praise you, O God of my fathers. You have given me wisdom and might and have now made known to me what we asked of you. So the Lord has now made known what was once a mystery. He made it known to Daniel what they had asked for. You have made known to us the king's demand. So God is the all-knowing, all-powerful God who holds truth in his hands. I told you that apocalyptic literature means revelation, unveiling. It is allowing the mysteries of God to come to light. This is one reason why you and I should desperately read apocalyptic literature because we begin to function in the prophetic realm which the mysteries of God, our heart, not the, the, the beating thing, our heart, our soul, our spirit man, the ears and eyes of our soul are open to the mysteries of God. We see in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 51 and 52, maybe it's 53, that Paul says, Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a instant in a twinkling of an eye, right? This is a mystery that Paul received from the Holy Spirit. 
Paul in that moment got apocalyptic insight. The heart of all of these books is that all secrets, prophecy, and vision begin with God and flow from him. When there's something you can't figure out in your life, in your world, in your family, know that all things have flown from the heart of God, from the hand of God, and they end back in the hand of God. So your stuff didn't catch God by surprise. It's not you and God twiddling your thumbs, wondering how it's all going to work out. It's you running around with elevated blood pressure, (laughs) sleepless nights, yelling at people, arguing at people, and God eating popcorn, wondering when you're going to get it. (laughs) He desperately wants to reveal the mysteries to you. He doesn't try to hide himself from you. He doesn't try to hide the solutions from you. The big idea of this message is that God reveals himself to humanity through infinite wisdom and his ability to reveal secrets. The application point that I would like us to walk away with today is that we can learn to trust God through the apocalyptic literature by understanding that the future is in his hands. I'll I'll never understand, well, I I get it, I get it. Let me back off that high horse. I do get it. I was going to say, I don't really understand why Christians get afraid of talking about the end time. Because if we truly believe that it's all in his hand, and if we truly believe that he's a good father, And we truly believe that we are a son or we are a daughter. Even if we don't understand or know the particulars, do we not know this? I I was going to say, I don't get how Christians can be afraid, but I I actually do. I do, because we we have been conditioned to believe that the end is tragedy. And because we run from apocalyptic literature, we never open understanding to the end is the beginning. Right? To live is Christ. Ah, to die is gain. This is the heart of a believer that fully understands apocalyptic literature. It's not doom and gloom. Now, I'll admit, the Bible does talk about some kind of crazy things (laughs) that I don't want to be here for. But guess what? Everyone on planet Earth, every single human on planet Earth has the opportunity today to step into salvation I suppose I'll wrap up with a couple of thoughts. I'll leave you with a couple of tray thoughts, all right? What is the purpose of prophecy? What's, what's the big deal? I tell you, 2020 has gotten me um, kind of excited. I'm more into prophecy now than I ever have been. I kind of feel late to the party, honestly. 
Um, but it's, it's, it's thrilling when you can look at your news apps and see Bible prophecy unfolding. It's, it's dare I say, addicting. And not that I want bad things to happen, not that I get excited when there's an earthquake or there's a tsunami or any of that, and I certainly pray for those that are impacted and, and wounded by that. There are very real casualties that concern me deeply. Um, but I, I'm shifting from a place of um, my faith is shifting almost into faith by sight because I'm seeing from 2,700 years ago stories that were foretold are quite literally coming to pass. And that's exciting to me because there are people who f for generations have, you know, tried to believe in a God, tried to digest scripture, and it's never really made sense. But there are things now happening that the unbeliever cannot deny are happening and was foretold. Are you with me? And I, I can't break all of those things down tonight, but, or today, it might be tonight when I finish. <laughs> but I'll tell you why prophecy is important. Jesus said it himself in John 13, 19. Jesus said, I tell you these things before it comes so that when it comes, you will know that I am God. That's the, the purpose of prophecy. And, and I'll tell you another thing that prophecy does, like expecting the Lord's return. This is what it does for me. Uh, the Lord took me this week in a situation to 1 John chapter 3, and it's verse 1 through 3. It says, Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us, that we should be called children of God. Therefore, the world does not know us because it did not know him. Beloved, now we are children of God, and it has yet not yet been revealed what we shall be, but we know that when he is revealed, when Jesus is revealed, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And here's the clincher, verse 3. And everyone who has this hope, now hope in the Bible, I've proven this to you before, the blessed hope, Titus 2.13, the hope refers to the rapture, the return of Jesus Christ. Everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure. So digging into Bible prophecy, digging into apocalyptic literature purifies us. It does something to where we wake up in the day and we don't want to live like we did yesterday because this could be the day. Is this the day Jesus is coming back? Like living with an expectation that Jesus is, is not just knocking at the door, not just standing at the door, he's turning the doorknob, you live your life a little bit different. Like you, do you know what I mean? Like even the little things that you used to let slide, right? You, I don't know, um, eating, eating the grapes before you pay for it. Before, you know, you weigh it and you're like, oh, that's over point zero one. If I just... Now suddenly you're like, <laughs> it purifies us. Here's the thing about prophecy though, church. Listen, prophecy is understood more fully once it occurs. Where we, where we can get into trouble is when we're looking at future prophecies 
And we are just so determined that this is what God meant and this is how it's going to work out. And we just, you know, we use our lens to understand the future events that God is describing. And then it happens nothing like we thought. And we look back and we were like, that's what God meant. The majority, and I'm not knocking futuristic prophecy. I I love it. That's my hobby right now looking at the future prophecies of Scripture and seeing how it's unfolding. But I'm not going to create a dogma over it. I'm not going to create a theology over it. I'm not, do you know what I mean? Like, I'm not going to go fist to cuff with you if you believe something different than me because what I do know is when we all get to heaven, we're all going to be wrong on some level. (laughs) I, I truly, now I'm not saying that we're all wrong. Why try? I think we should study to show ourselves approved. But the reality is, I'm going to miss some things. You're going to miss some things, and that's okay. That is the, the beauty of looking at prophecy, because the real power of prophecy is that it was said before it happened, but once it happened, we can look back and know that he is. Prophecy is an open hand. An open hand. Have I talked to you about the open hand, closed fist before? I'm not talking about the prophecy where I say, thus saith the Lord and you're going to be healed and all that. I'm talking about understanding biblical prophecy and how it unfolds in the, the life of humanity. There's a lot of room for interpretation. I have, I have a view that I stand by and I study it. Every day I'm studying about end times, every single day, even if, my sermon's not on end times. I'm studying end times every single day. Cause, why? Because that, that's just my passion. So I have an opinion. And I'm 100% sure. But that doesn't mean I'm right. There's a difference between being sure and being right. I am a humble enough man that... I can sit across the table from someone that thinks differently than me and say, hey, this is what I believe, but you may be right. And if I'm wrong, then I'll readjust. If at some point I I find that, uh, for example, I don't believe that we are going to know who the Antichrist is. Don't believe it. From what I read in Scripture, we are the restrainer, 2 Thessalonians The restrainer has to be removed before the Antichrist can take full power. He takes full power from Daniel chapter 9 where he signs the seven-year covenant with Israel of peace, right? We're not going to know. And I say that with 100% conviction. But if there comes a day where a person signs a seven-year contract with Israel and there's some little funny business going on, I'm going to stand up here and say, guys, let's regroup. Because looking back at Prophecy Unfold says that I am wrong. Right? And then, and then we, we walk through that. It's an open hand. So open hand means you and I don't, we don't have to part ways over things in the open hand. We don't have to argue. There doesn't even have to be tension over the things in the open hand. There are things that, that we should fight about, not, not, 
you and me, and not physically, but I'm a lover, not a fighter, baby, but in the closed fist are things like Jesus is God. He was born of a virgin. He lived a sinless life. He died on the cross. He rose again on the third day. There is no other way to the Father but through him. You see, we have to agree on that because if we don't agree on that, that's not actually Christianity. That's a cult. It's a false religion. So we have to agree on that, church, okay? Um, what, what we can disagree on is should women be allowed in ministry or in leadership? There are people that believe women, according to the Bible, should not be allowed in leadership. I, I can't believe like they believe because then we'd both be wrong. That's a joke. Um, I believe that God is no respecter of persons and that women can be in leadership. But I'll tell you what, I'm going to see those fellows in heaven, right? If they agree on this, they can be totally jacked up over here with the, the can women lead kind of business. And they're going to, their whatever denomination, affiliation, whatever, is going to sorely miss the DNA of heaven that God has placed inside of women that their church will be lacking because they believe something that's false. But God's not going to send them to hell over that, right? There are people who don't believe in speaking in tongues. They don't believe in healing. That's open hand. We can still be brothers and sisters. We can even go to the same church. And when we, what was it I just said, speaking in tongues and healing? Like in moments like we had in I almost said first service. It did feel like a whole service ago. <laughs> in that moment, there can be actually people in the room who they, they don't really believe that God still does that, but we can still be in alignment and unity because of this. Okay. Now, I can believe in a pre-tribulation rapture that Jesus is coming before the tribulation I actually believe it could be any, I don't know when, who knows. I, I believe it could be in the next year, two years, five years. I believe it's soon. I believe that you could believe post-tribulation that we go through the tribulation, then Jesus comes. And guess what? We can still be in church together. We can still have Christian potluck. You can still bring your delicious food and I can eat it. You can believe in preterism. You can believe that uh, there is no rapture, that it happens, you know, at the end and all that this has been fulfilled. And you can still go to church here because it's not this. It's an open hand thing, right? The end of days is open hand. And the only time that it matters is when either of these positions, pre-trib, mid-trib, post-trib, uh, pre-wrath, I don't know how many of that, pre mid, pre-wrath, post, um, all millennial, um, preterism. You didn't even know there were so many different views on the end time, did you? It's ridiculous. It's so much because we're all looking future at what scripture is saying. And there are smart, smart scholars, men and women on every side of the debate. But here's, here's what I'm here to tell us all is that we can still be in unity. Even though Pastor Trey believes in a pre-trib, rapture, and that's what I'm going to preach. The only time that impacts us is if either one of these positions function without wisdom. 
Because every position can get really, really jacked up. For example, you want to know what the jacked up is? Yeah, of course. Preterist, right? Believe. Um, how, how this is jacked up is that they could not take seriously the mandates of heaven and God and not live each day saying, Lord, bring me through the fire, refine me. Whatever is in my life, burn it out. There could be in, when there's not wisdom, a lack of holiness, a lack of desire to go and process. Are you, you follow me? Like there's no urgency. There's no like, oh, Jesus could come. Okay, now come all the way up to my belief is pre-trib. You could walk with no wisdom in this and think Jesus is coming tomorrow or next week and go and sell all of your stuff, give it to the poor and stop paying your bills, stop planning for college, stop planning for marriage. Do you know what I mean? Like, what's the point of living? Jesus is coming. And that's the unhealthy side of a pre-tribber. And I want you all to know that though we believe, or I believe, and I'll take you on that journey as well. I've, I can make that case as well, but I like to give you all the options. You know why? Because it's, it's open hand. And the difference of your opinion doesn't, doesn't intimidate me. If I'm right, guess what? You get to go to heaven early. And if you're right, and there's a bunch of crisis, you're already stocked up and you're ready, and I'll show up at your house. Right? But I'm not intimidated by your different opinions because that's open hand. Titus 2.13 says, Looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ. I am looking for the return of Jesus, but church, listen, I'm still living. I'm still putting money in savings. I'm still helping my kids talk about college and making life, long life choices, hard choices that my kids are having to make right now. And it, I believe that Jesus is coming very soon. It would be tempting for me to be like, ah, don't worry about it. Let's not go through that pain. But Ephesians 5 tells me I can't do that because in verse 15 and 16, it says, look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. You see, no matter when Jesus comes, today I'm accountable. I am accountable today to make the best use of time. And Psalm 90 verse 12 says, teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. So church, I wanna pray over you today. I just wanna encourage you to jump into the apocalyptic literature, no matter where you land on end times philosophy. We, we have a team here, we all, understand it. We talk about it. You can email us with questions. We'll walk you through it. You can show up on Wednesdays. I talk about it quite a lot. We'll begin those again in January at Awaken. But until then, just dig into apocalyptic literature and let the mysteries of heaven come alive in your heart. Let's pray. Father, I come before you today. God, I thank you so much for our time. I thank you for your time today. I thank you, God, that you have written these books to reveal to us the secrets of your heart, the secrets of heaven. 
And God, while it's, it's fun to look at timelines and projections and see things unfold, the reality is we live for you today because you are worthy of our today. So God, I just bless you today. I bless you today. In our, our coming and our going, we give you blessing today. God, be with your people this week. God, I ask that this week there would be something new settling in our homes. That we would just sense the glory of God, the presence of God like never before. God, that the communication barriers in our homes. God, I understand that this pandemic being, being locked in homes has wreaked havoc on family dynamics culturally. I, I don't know how it impacts our church, but God, I pray, I just declare and prophesy that the people of the Exchange Church are going to come out better on the other side. Our families are going to be stronger on the other side of this. Our communication skills are going to be stronger on the other side of this. Our finances are going to be stronger on the other side of this. In Jesus' name I pray. Let the church say amen. Can you give Jesus a hand clap this morning?